The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand on air. Now, my hire my Fakatai Maira, he called Naipurangi Tenai Pana, Kiteo Maori, Meteo Huri Huri. I'm Leonie Hayden. This is a podcast about being Maori in the modern world. This week is a festive season and we're talking about feasting. Welcome to Nair. It's my favourite time of year, not because of the presents or the parties, but because of the kai. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love my kai, I love to cook, I love to eat. I haven't had much opportunity to cook for others for the last few months, which is why I'm super jazzed for this holiday season. Uh, So are my co-hosts, and that's why we are talking about hākari this week, our traditions of feasting, of showing our manaki to visitors through food, and showing off the bountiful abundance of our respective rohe, the areas where we're from. I love the word abundance. I think it really sums up hākari for me and what it is that's been shared. Uh, Traditionally, our Māori economy was based on trading with our abundance, for instance, inland hapu offering the bounty of the ngahere to coastal hapu in exchange for kaimoana. Um, one of my favourite things I've learned about are the huge fata uh, structures that our people would display food on at kaihokai, where two hapu would come together to share knowledge and trade their bounty. These were like pyramid-shaped scaffolded structures and food would be placed on them to, to show it off to manuhiri. These were huge and brightly decorated and designed to show pride in the kai that was being offered. The last recorded one was in Rimawera around uh, 1844 and it was 360 metres long. That is how much kai we're talking about and that is how much pride and mana was on display. And, you know, why not show off? It's no... Small thing to grow, harvest, net, snare, gather and dive and weave hinaki and nets and make the ropes and the hooks and the traps and then prepare all that kai. It's what our calendars were built around, the rhythm of the seasons, reading weather. It all needed specialist knowledge from tohunga and from, you know, regular people. Uh, when you think about Moana Jackson's famous Once Were Gardener's speech where he breaks down the colonial fallacy of like the warrior gene. Our rangatira didn't spend every day planning battles. Most of their role was the coordination of kai production so that their people 
could thrive. So then to have enough abundance, not just to feed your own people, but to bestow those gifts on a large group of manuhiri, well, that's, you know, a pretty big reason to feel proud. Um, and I love that that is still how we maintain mana to the to this day. These days we buy a lot of the food for hakari, but it still takes a huge amount of matauranga and time and people power to create a feast for others. It's back-breaking work putting down hangi for hakari, and we do it both to show our abundance and to honour guests. And it's reciprocated everywhere you go. You know, and under capitalism, in this day, this is like quite a unique and wonderful tradition. Um, there's one modern addition to hakari I would say goodbye to in a heartbeat, and that's those brightly coloured sugary drinks. Um, in my day, the brand was called Sport. I don't know if you remember those sport drinks, which is quite ironic for something that's that unhealthy. You know, I like a janky smile as much as the next person, but um, our kids should only be losing their teeth because the tooth fairy came me. Uh, so anyway, coming up, we will be talking about the hakari of our youth, our roles at the marae, history and tikanga of hakari, and we'll be joined by two manuhiri that know a thing or two about cooking good kai for very large groups of people. Hayakone, we'll see you after the break. Welcome back. I'm joined by the Guru of the Marama Jews and Miriana Johnson. We are going to get into what hakari means to us, uh, whether or not we get given jobs when it comes time to, you know, get stuck in. Uh, have you guys got jobs in the kitchen? Are you, uh, either of you in charge of the cooking in any way? Morena. Morena. <laughs> no, not by a long shot. <laughs> I'm me hockey. Um, just, yeah, horoia ngarihi <laughs> at the end. But uh, it's yeah, very well known in my whānau and wider whānau and hapu marae that, yeah, Mediana is not a chef. <laughs> <laughs> do you even get to go on, like, production line and, like, cut stuff up or do the stuffing? No, we've got quite, um, with my rangitāne taha, my rangitāne side, one of my whanaunga actually used to run a restaurant. So obviously she's in there and, and she's got her daughters usually helping out. And I don't know, she's got an established team. Trained. And they have it all down pat, eh? So the rest of us are like, we're not, we'll just be in there to, to scrub the pots at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Tikura, are you, are you um, in, out there 4 a.m. digging the hole? It just depends, eh, on, the, on what the event is. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had regular marae occasions in, in about three years, eh? But... Um, I just slot in where I where I'm needed. Yeah. Um, there are at my two different. Oh, there are three different marae. Again, it depends on the occasion because it depends who the workforce is there. If it's just our <laughs> whānau, then we're all like doing all the things. If we're just at our mm. marae up the coast, up at Matahi o Tito. If we're at Matata on my Rōrezi side, on my Tarawa side, um, there is a, a, a clear hierarchy, <laughs> and you know your place. And you um, start off, you know, as a young kid, you start off on the dishes, washing and drying. Um, you probably start off drying and then you can graduate to washing. And then you go from there to preparing food. And then you might even graduate uh, to cutting the meat. And then, you know, from there, you work your way up to <laughs> cutting the meat is a big job. So I was quite um, honored when I was given that task uh, in my teens. I was like, yeah, I've made it. I'm, 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 I'm moving up. But, you yeah, know, just like a, a well-oiled machine and uh, the aunties run it. 
um, you know, like a business. It's 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 fluid. You're catering for hundreds of people uh, over a your course of two or three days, and it's just it's all on point and clean as well. So yeah, I mean, I love being in the Farikai. That's really where the party is, and um, right. And that's where it all happens. That's the best part. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's where you get all the goss, eat all the snacks. Yeah. One, honestly, I worked in hospo for like 10, 12 years, and I never saw any chef in any fancy Auckland kitchen that ran their operation better than just aunties at the marae. That's amazing, like, how you get to that point, you know. That's years of experience. And it's unpaid labour, which is kind of stink. And, you know, I don't know about the restaurants you worked in, but, I mean... Chefs, as we all know, have reputations for having tempers. And, you know, they get whole half, they've got a few tables at once. But you never see the aunties sweating it. Right. You never see them bothered. They're just so focused. So, yeah. Maybe that's what we need. We need a restaurant run by aunties anake. I mean, right. I guess that's the marae. That's, that's the funny the guy. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I learned <laughs> got when it. I was doing a story on it a while ago that um, at Koronehana, uh, so for anyone that doesn't know, every two years, um, Koronehana celebrating uh, Māori King, they feed 800 people a day for five days. They have 100 people working round the clock in the kitchen and another 200 people that work in the dining room. Wow. Yeah, one of my auntie Kimi, um, Tiwieta, she's one of them. And I was always, oh, you know, there are others. I like seeing them when I go in and I marvel at the... At the feet, That's you know, and what they're achieving. Again, it's been a while, unfortunately, since we've had one of those yeah. occasions. But it's always, you know, it's, it was great to go in and, and witness that on the large scale mm. uh, a few years ago. I was like, wow, this is really the taumata of right. And that's why Kingitanga was, um, and they boast that as well, uh, you know, being the host with the most, being able to <laughs> host that many people. Um, there are not many other iwi around the motu who are well-placed to do that. And they're such a central location. Mm. Um, they can draw on this uh, intricate network, extensive network of hapu who are all loyal to the uh, Kingitanga Kaupapa. Mm. And that's really Waikato Tainui, uh, Tainui Waka being able to host all these other mata waka who come in over those days. And um, yeah, it's really, it's amazing to see, eh? especially I feel like a lot of non-Maori and Aotearoa, if they saw that, they would just be gobsmacked. Mm. 800 per day yeah. for five days. How do you even plan how much kai you need. Right? And this is something that you we're going to get into a little bit later with our guests, like how do you actually start? Because <laughs> I come in somewhere in the middle and I get on the production line or I do the dishes or whatever. I would have no, I still have no idea where the starting point is. Is it the, the shopping list? Is it calling for around for the home kill? Like what is the very first thing that you do? when you have to prepare for hakari, especially if it's sort of like short notice, if you've got to, you know, put on tangihanga. And it's, it's a crazy skill. And my own observation and, and you know, very much a life um, journey, this learning these these tools and tricks of the trade from um, my mātua, Pakeke, is that everyone has a different role. And I've seen like the old man order the meat, like you say, Leonie, or organise the meat, and then one of the uncles has gone to kill it and then the aunties have... Uh, organized you know the shopping and the nieces and nephews have gone to get it and you know so it all kind of uh, it'll be really interesting to know to actually hear from my auntie about what is the starting point or, or mm. to, you know I'm sure uh, to me it just seems like everyone sort of just goes into action once it happens and really fortunate to be part of a whanau that has that capacity and has retained that sort of mātauranga tukuiho because that's how we should look at it as you know communities 
uh, some who have been able to maintain that and and adapt it to the contemporary times. You oh. know, how many spuds per person? That's what I want to know. Yes. What is that? And it's amazing. Like, I was going to say, Leonie, when you're talking about, you know, when there's, you know, for instance, someone passes away, there's a tangi, how quickly Kai is mobilized. Mm. Into, like, from the outside, it looks super organic. Mm. And people just pulling Kai from everywhere. I remember when my um, kuya passed away a few years ago. It was amazing. All this Kai arrived, and my um, cousin and his whanau, my cousin Woody, they organized all the Kai, and it was smoked eel. I was like, where'd you find this, bro? And he's <laughs> like, oh. You know, we just like, yeah, someone just went in and caught some the night before. And so I'd love to know if there's someone in the background saying, hey, you go get this. Or it really is just everyone pulls together and brings something. Mm. And it just so happens there's always enough. Because I don't know about you guys. I've never been to a hakari where we run out of food. No. (laughs) And I think that's so impressive as well. I don't have any, like, um, official jobs, but I did um, go up north at the beginning of this year. Um, A friend of mine decided he's from Pauringa. He had been home for too many tangi, and it had been too long since he'd been home for some kind of joyous occasion. So after his wedding, he decided to hold hākari for for his friends and family up north, but he didn't want to put it on Hokanga to do all the cooking and stuff. So he was like, we're all coming up, but we're going to do all the cooking for for you. And so I got put in charge of fry bread for the first and only time in my life. And I, cause I can't do that at home cause that's my auntie's job. But honestly, I felt like I had arrived. I spent the whole day <laughs> in the kitchen, just listening to like eighties jams on the radio and making I don't know, like six hundred breads or something. Yeah. Holy true. moly! What a wow. peaceful time. So now I'm going to go home and like beg for the honour <laughs> of doing that at home, burning myself a hundred times. I don't know why it's so relaxing, but I really enjoyed it. I know what you mean. Eh? Well, I really just it's so, it's so comforting. Eh, being in the in the pa with all the right. fun and having a laugh because you know it's all tomaha out the front or yeah. in the fare. Uh, and you might have already been in there in the morning or, or in, in your first day or whatever, but in the kauta, it's where, you know, kote whare o te ora tera, that's where uh, the whanau are living and breathing and doing what we do best. And what we really love is being with our cousins and our uncles and aunties and all the jokes and all the jabs and all the, <laughs> you know, and the stress and how they, and how, you know, stress management, they could probably write a, uh, a book on that as well as how to run a marae. <laughs> yeah. Conflict uh, so resolution. You always have the most fun out the back in the Farikaya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now tell me, do, where you come from, do you, are you allowed to drink alcohol in the Farikaya? No. And my koro banned alcohol at our marae Hinirupe in Tararo. Mm. Uh, there is a, you know, pub down the road, so I don't think that's too much of an issue. No. I don't know if it's explicitly banned, but on both my... Um, Tahu side and Rangitani side at Hakri. No, no, you know, that's for afterwards where we go to the cousin's garage. Yeah, I don't, I don't associate party. the two at all, you know what I mean? Which, when you think about it, is actually quite unique for sort of this day and age, especially for Aotearoa, to have this tradition that is based around large groups of people coming together to celebrate and eat, but no drinking, no binge drinking. Mm. Like, I think that's really important and really special. I think it still happens, you know, and here and there, and, and probably even at some of my own marae, I might be naive saying that it, that it never happens, but it will be interesting to see, yeah, I, I definitely support that idea that it shouldn't be a place for um, 
Perhaps, but there are, you know, lots of 21sts and weddings that happen at Marae. And I, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm sure there would have been one or two drops at those occasions. But yeah, I guess the idea is that it's not a place for parties. Um, yeah. And see, I guess I, I wouldn't know either, like, if, you know, for the hakari that I've been to, the marae are only for tangi and kururil. So I'm like, maybe for different occasions, there is waipiro there. Mm. But I mean, I like to think that people respect that that space is sacred and you know there's plenty of other places to go and drink I mean it's one of you know the marae is one of the few places sort of untouched by all the things that colonization brought in and I think we should work really hard to protect that when saying that though I did see um hiakai post kawa 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 which is like whiskey sour (laughs) <laughs> but with kawa kawa in it and I was like well maybe we could have Waipiro on the marae if it was like bougie cocktails kawa kawa based mm. rongoa based yeah rongoa based it's healthy it's good for us yeah we're using our you know native medicines and plants all good <laughs> I feel like there might be some tohunga rongoa that might disagree with the logic there ah they'll be into it hey uh after the break, we have two manuhiri who are going to help us understand better what goes into cooking for large groups of people. We're talking at the marae or a dining room full of bougie guests. After the break, we're joined by Casey and Karina Bird. See you soon. Welcome back. We are joined by two very special manuhiri. I worked with these cool sisters uh, a few years back when I was working for Mana Magazine. They were my food editors. You will know them as the winners of 2014 New Zealand Master Chef, as well as award-winning cookbook publishers and authors, as well as chefs that do the most amazing pop-up, kaupapa Māori creation-themed beautiful dishes and meals. Please welcome Karina and Casey Bird. Oh, kia ora, tēnā It's so good to um, catch up again. It's been ages. It's been ages. Mm. It's so nice to see your beautiful faces. Our listeners can't see your beautiful faces, but they know what you look like. Cause yeah, they trust you. I'm sure they trust you. You've been on the tally a bunch. <laughs> Hey, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about where you guys are from, Nōhia Kōrua. E nohoana māua ki te ihu o te waka o te aroa ki Maketu, uh, he taha anō māua ki Ngāpuhi, uh, ki Ngāti Manua hoki, aneira uh, māua e mihi, e mihi atu ki au koutou katoa. Kia ora. Yeah, so we're from Makitu. We grew up in Makitu our whole lives and we still live in Makitu. It's a really beautiful place, really small community. I think the population's about one pushing 1,000 now, so it's getting up there. Um, but, yeah, it's a beautiful, small coastal village. Do you still live next door to each other? I've moved down the road. She lives about 200 <laughs> metres away now. I've escaped the cul-de-sac. Yeah. <laughs> so very close but a little bit further away. Love it. So we were just talking before uh, about our roles on the marae when it comes to hakari. None of us are in charge of the cooking. 
You guys have cooked internationally for some of the best chefs in the world, but when you're at home, are you in charge of the cooking? We're definitely mid-tier. We still haven't quite got to the top of the, you know, top of the heap yet. But I think that's just what it's like on the marae. So the aunties are always going to be at the top and then we just, you know, get our instructions and then, then we follow. It's got nothing to do with clout. It has to do with light time in the kitchen. So right. you yeah. can't get to the top of the ladder if you're off flitting around, you know, the country and stuff. So um, it depends on, on what they want you to do as well. So sometimes you'll get there and they'll have like a whole list of jobs to do. And then the next time I'll go down there and you want me to butter the toast. So <laughs> just it's, it's, it's actually like so nice to just go somewhere and um, get bossed around. Oh, yeah. I think. It definitely keeps your feet on the ground too. Like it, you come home and it, everything's put into perspective. Yeah. So you get to go off and do all the things you do. But then when you come home, you're still from where you're from and mm. you're still just a part of everybody else, which is, which I think is really cool. Have you ever tried to introduce a, a new dish to the menu that didn't work out? A hundred percent, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Casey went, um, they had like the surplus of watercress and they had been doing boil up for this heart, for this, um, tangy and everyone's getting sick of it. And so she, um, floated the idea of doing like a cream watercress sauce for this roast pork that they were doing. And half of the, half of the aunties were just waxing lyrical about it. And then the other half were like, that is not right. That, yeah, that's <laughs> What was that? That was really weird. So, yeah, half of the feedback was like, oh, that was amazing. I've never tried that. What's the recipe? And the other half was like, oh, that's so weird. So, yeah. I, I feel like Maki too is quite um, adventurous with their cooking, though. So, we have like a Matsuriki ball, which we have every year. And so, mm. I've introduced like dry ice and smoke cloche and, you know, like, and they're just, they're really into it. But um, it's always within their framework and within their parameters of what I'm allowed to do. <laughs> What are the staples that you cannot mess with? Mm. Um, It's different. Like every auntie, like there's like aunties who are like, they're like, this is my stuffing recipe and it's better than all the stuffing recipes. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it it, it is like being in a chef's kitchen. So you might go into one restaurant and that's how a chef makes his mashed potatoes. But then you'll go into another restaurant and the chef does it a completely different way. So you just have to be like water and whatever the auntie tells you, that's what, you have to do but everyone knows their roles and everyone um well there's always like you know kitchen politics and in, in the kitchen so there'll be this auntie going oh she's cooking that bloody stuffing with the jam in it again <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think one thing you don't mess with though are like oysters teal like you never i think just having them fresh natural mm. and you just put them out as they are i think that's one thing you don't really mess around with, around with. like kaimoana in general oh pippi yeah pippi, like you just want it as they are because it's so perfect as it is. I try mm. to make like this coconut Asian like broth and then cook the pippi in it and then serve it over this like, oven baked salmon and it did not go down well. Yeah. Okay. It didn't taste nice or people weren't receptive of it? They, well, I thought it tastes nice, but obviously like what do Sounds I know? Nice. Yeah, what yeah, do I know? I think, <laughs> what do you I know? think it was real nice. It's just, yeah, I think it's just, it's like you have to do those kind of moves quite in a small way. Yeah, mm. so it's, it's interesting though, like going from growing up on a like cooking at a marae to then going into kitchens because you'll go into commercial kitchens with these top tier chefs and they've got like every piece of equipment you could want or imagine. And, um, you know, like they're under the pump in the kitchen, but 
it's like coming from a marae, it's like you walk in and like up north where my uh, my from my mum's marae and her farikai, they're still cooking on open fires. Mm. Um, you know, so it's like, and then you don't know what ingredients you're using because a lot of it's koha and it'll just be dropped at the marae. And so on a day-to-day basis, you don't know what you're going to be cooking. You don't know how many manuhiri are actually going to show up. And so just on like a day-to-day basis, it's um, the, the amount of um, fluidity and sort of uh, like the ability to adapt in a marae kitchen is unparalleled mm. and yeah like you might get an op of 10 people and then like 20 minutes later you've got a bus showing up of say 50 and you have to have kai on the table every time those manuhiri walk through the door and you could just have to pull it out of not thin air but it is like that a lot of the time in the marae which is i think we're really talented like that we can adapt mm. really well and i think that's something that we've kind of taken whenever we travel or things are always different in different countries but i mm. think having that adaptability is something that um because we've grown up with we've kind of taken to it really well mm. yes we were talking about that earlier yeah. having both leonie and i have been waitresses i worked in hospo and how you know, some chefs, they'll get real hoha if like, there's, you know, a big rush or someone wants something dairy-free. And it's like, you you never have that fuss on the marae in the farikai. It's just like, right, yeah, let's make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. And um, and also just with, with that as well, it's like with kai and within Māoridom, it's like with a chef, you know, it's sort of like you have to uphold your reputation as a chef and your restaurant and stuff. But when you go to the marae, it's about, like, your mana, the mana of your hafu and your iwi and your whānau. And so, like, there's whole there's this whole other layer of pressure mm. where if manuhiri come and you don't have kai, like, you know, that's, like... The shame. Exactly, exactly. It's the biggest here. Yeah. Mm. You reckon all chefs should have to be schooled on the marae first? Should be part of culinary school, maybe. Well, I think, like, that's, like, a real privilege, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I always think about that, though. Sometimes when I'm wearing the marae and you're doing things, and I'll be like, man, I wish I saw this chef in this situation and see what they would do or, like, the things, the situations you end up with in the, you know, in the marae. Like, you get a whole thing of fish heads and you you have to cook it because it's kai. You don't want it to go to waste. And I'm like, I wonder how they'd do this. They've got 20 minutes and 200 fish heads. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and people that won't listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a um, someone drop off a, a kai as koha that you just you didn't know what to do with? Not that I can recall. I think every time you always try to figure something out, even if you just keep it really simple and just roast it or chuck it in the oven or boil it up, I think you always <laughs> kind of just make it work. Yeah. I honestly think Māori in general as like a people are just naturally good with kai and food. Yeah. And I just think it's like in like one of our innate skills is being able to feed people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that manakitana yeah. is just kind of ingrained. One thing we wanted to ask you is, is what um, the formula is. Like I know that you were saying, um, and as we all know, that you can't always predict how many people are going to show up over three days or whatever. But like, is there a formula or a rule of thumb about how many? grams of protein per manuhiri, how how many potatoes, how many kumara, how many breads? Like, do you guys know the formula? I think it's not really set in stone because it always depends on who you're feeding. So different types of group eat different amount of kai. So if you have like a big rugby team, they're obviously going to eat more grams of meat True. than, say, a bunch of ballerinas. So it, you yeah, just... lots of ballerina or pear shop at the moment. Well, I'm just saying in general, it's like you just... I think what we try to do is we always do, like in terms of like potatoes, 
and it depends on how big the potato was as well. Okay, okay, so, <laughs> okay, so, okay, so Casey and I, like, one, our job is to write recipes. Like, we write a lot of recipes for, like, companies and books and blah, 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 blah. And so we found the transition between going from, like, marae shopping or, like, marae recipe buying to actually writing down, like, measured ingredients very difficult because we noticed that we'll look at a sack of potatoes and say, okay, that'll feed 50 people. Mm. But, it will, like, you'll look at, like, five five you know legs of legs of pork and go okay that's going to feed you know 70 people but then it's like breaking it down into grams it was the opposite for us so I think like in in the marae sense like a visual idea of like how much that's going to feed mm. is like a lot more useful than like grams and, mm. and there'll probably be aunties sitting there like now listening to me going that is so wrong it's 315.2 <laughs> grams of meat yeah, per yeah, person yeah. you know it's going to be knocked down a tear when you go back yeah, to yeah, the marae exactly <laughs> So I think it's like anything in Tao Māori, like there's never like a hard and fast rule. It's Aye. like everyone have their own everyone has their own rules and everyone has their own way of going about, yeah. about it. I think going out and getting a visual is your best sort of indication. And that takes time to learn, hey? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Secretly the aunties have this formula, this list that you get when you <laughs> yeah. when you graduate. Exactly. And they'll have like the perfect formula so they'll make sure that they have just enough like leftovers to feed everyone, but not too much that you're like chucking, you know, you don't yeah. know what to do with it. Maybe it's like the final level of Scientology where you finally get told about the aliens on the other planet. Like once you (laughs) ascend to (laughs) like top of the auntie tree, then you get the the magic formula handed to you. And we're a long way off of that. So (laughs) I remember when um, Harry and Megan came to Rotoru and they, um, we were in charge of like cooking their, their meal. And we had all these interviews like, are you nervous to cook for, for the Royals? And we're going, we have to cook like a fancy like steam box hangi for 180 of our queer and komatua. And it's like Harry and Megan aren't the ones that we're scared to cook for. And it was funny because like yeah. we served up this like sort of like dish and then half of them were like, oh, this is lovely. And the other half was like, where's the rest of it? You know, it's like they're not going to like the people on the stage aren't going to turn around and tell us they don't like it. But everybody mm. we have to live with after they leave are going to turn around and tell us that they don't like it. So, yeah. Did you talk to them, to Harry and Megan? I said, here's your chicken and pork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not really, like, briefly in passing, but we didn't sit down until we were busy cooking and things. Yeah. So. It was, oh, they ate, like, so much of their food, though. Like, they ate pretty much their whole food. I took, like, a photo of their empty plates afterwards. And I was like, I thought <laughs> it would just be one of those shows, you know, like, like when you eat on, like, TV and they take, like, a little nibble and leave it. But, man, they smashed it. Wow. Do you think they had a good cultural advisor yeah. who was like, yeah, eat it? I yes. think they had heaps Otherwise. of um, previous, like, a, like events in the day and they might, I think they're just, like, really hungry. That's okay. probably the highlight of the royals' lives coming to Te Ao Māori. Aye. Let's be honest. I reckon, though, like, it was, like, highly co- like covered in media across the world how amazing, like, the Māori Manaki Tonga was when they came here. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, now tell me what you guys have got um, coming up for 2022. 2022. Well, I just had a baby. Yay! So I had my baby's four weeks old, so I'll be busy looking after a baby now. And um, <laughs> we're working on our latest cookbook, which is actually all in Te Reo Māori, which we're really excited about. So we've still got a little bit of mahi to do on it to right. complete it, but I think that's really exciting for us. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Loves it. Maine. We're going over to Dubai to the NZ Expo at the end of January to do some mahi, mahi, which is nice because there was a lot of our mahi before, obviously, lockdown and everything was. Um, yeah, and then we're working on some products and bits and pieces as well. So lots of sort of different things happening, which is 
which yeah. is exciting. Oh, cheer. Although I had to do my first cooking demo by myself because Casey was too pregnant to fly. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, it was like amazing. So it was like the first time in <laughs> was it seven years. We've, we've never ever done like pretty much any mahi separately. And so it was the first like demo or appearance thing in seven years we did separately. They actually zoomed me in though, so I was on the screen, but I was at home. I think so I was, you were actually there. <laughs> I was there, but not there. It was actually quite refreshing sitting back. Was it good? Like, was it better than you expected it to be? I was actually surprisingly entertained. Wasn't it? Like, <laughs> oh my God, I love <laughs> that. I love that it took she, having a baby for you to actually sit back and have a little bit of a rest. She yeah. was considering coming, but her midwife said absolutely not. <laughs> You're like three days away from <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I'll never sign that off. <laughs> so now I'm looking into purees. I've been like researching like what is actually really good for kids and I've been looking at like what other cultures feed their babies and things mm, and yeah. just the like I don't know I think the it's introduction like really of spices and different things that other people eat dried um, fish like I really want to start you know like how babies have like r- like cruskets whatever those things are called like I want to try like giving them like dried fish or like dried pippy and things because mm. like they do that over in Asia yeah. and I'm yeah. sure like we would have for done when, it back in the day shark for when they're teething and they want something to yeah. like rub their teeth on yeah. true that's so cool we have those corridor as well yeah you, chewing on shark to yeah like toughen kumara, up your teeth yeah exactly like kumara kao and like all those like mm. you know old school sort of like jerky things that we would have had mm. yeah messy as well eh those mushy things that the kids and then they just smush them into their car and seat they don't and taste like, so long trying to they don't them. taste like anything like they're so flavorless mm. yeah. yeah yes Yuck. bring back flavor for babies i reckon thank you Kordua, for joining us uh today i really enjoyed that conversation and as ever i wish it could go on for another few hours find us on uh, Instagram, Net our Māori podcast to keep up to date with uh, Te Kuru's weekly written pieces and our fortnightly podcasts. Find Casey and Karina's cookbooks. Uh, give them to your family for Christmas. They're absolutely worth it. Um, Kati mahi nui, kia korua, thank you. Thank you Te Kuru and Mariana um, and mahi tu Te Aihe Butler, our producer for today and every other day. And finally, actually, I wanted to mahi to Tamaki Makoto. We came out of lockdown after 107 days last week. And I'm thinking myself, because I'm in Tamaki, but I honestly thank all of you for keeping us safe, for putting uh, the rest of the country first. For all of that time, um, honestly, I feel like we're better off for it. There's still uncertain times. Um, but the sacrifices that Tamaki has made have put us in um, a much safer position. So kā te mahi nui, ki a tātou katoa. Um, and we'll see you guys in two weeks' time for another episode. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you soon. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Leonie Hayden with Te Kuru Jews and Mediana Johnson. NAIR was produced by Te Aihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.
The Spin-Off Podcast Network.